And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Hope and Chris finish the last episode of Star Wars The Clone Wars. Luckily, dependable Dave Filoni and crew create Rebels with new characters, new places, and new adventures. Thus, keeping hope alive for this podcast. Welcome to J-Guys and Jedi. Hi everyone, welcome to a brand new episode of J-Guys and Jedi, a weekly podcast covering every episode of Star Wars Rebels. In this episode, Saw Gerrera returns, determined to uncover an Imperial secret, no matter the cost. There will be... Uh, oh, excuse me, not that, not the burp, <laughs> The burp just kind of appeared. There will be... Ezra gets shot! Chopper continues on his murderous rampage. And Saw Gerrera draws a line in the sand. We're talking... In the Name of the Rebellion, part two this week. How you doing, Chris? Good. You have a good week? Yeah, so far, so good. The weather's starting to get a little nicer here. I don't think it's going to snow again. Mm. I will say, <laughs> so if, I, if I get really cracky, I got a, I had a mild case of laryngitis a couple days ago that I'm still recovering from. So... I've, uh, I might get a little cracky at times because I'm still kind of <clears throat> on the tail end of it. <laughs> so, we, it's weird because, like, it's Tuesday. We normally record on Monday, so all day I'm just like, it's Monday. No, it's not. <laughs> nope. We, nor- we had to push back our recordings because of it, so. But we're having good weeks, having good times, you know, in Corona Town, coronavirus world. Still. We're get we're getting open we're getting ready to go into phase one here so Ugh, even stupidly in opening time and it's it's dumb it's all dumb but we hope you're staying safe listeners wash your hands don't be dumb <laughs> yeah we're, we'll we'll see how it goes it's, but it seems like we're doing fair we're we're on the downslope of cases here so that's good. Yeah. That's where you want to be. Mhm. So I guess we got a downslope for a certain length of time, but we're in we're in line for whenever whenever the date is. I think it's like June first or something like that. I will say, and I can't wait to talk about it with you one day on our other podcast. The final season of Shira dropped on Netflix, and I watched the whole thing. Part of the reason why I got laryngitis because I did. 10 reaction videos in a single day to it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but the final season of She-Ra is so fucking good. It's so good, Chris. It's perfect. Oh my god. And it, it's going to be like Avatar The Last Airbender. It's going to be one of those historic shows that's just going to change everything. And it's at a new bar, and it's so good. <laughs> So good. Can I gush about Shira for like two seconds? Two seconds. Okay, here's the thing about Shira. So 
I will say it's a little tough to get into the first season. I started feeling it about episode eight. It took me about eight episodes to be like, okay, I see why my friends are raving about this show and what they're doing here. But it, the first eight episodes are like all exposition. And they just have to like introduce everybody because it has a really huge ensemble cast. But after you get through the first eight episodes, which to me is the roughest part of the series, the show just takes off from there. And here's the thing about it. It completely changes the whole narrative of how to do queer content. Because normally when you have gay characters in any kinds of shows, whether it's animation or normal shows, normally the heterosexual couple are just like, yes, we are open and out there and we have the messy relationships and we're doing all this stuff, but we're the hetero couple, so we're going to be blatantly together and making out. And meanwhile, you have the gay uh, characters over here going, all of our relationships are wink, wink, nudges, nudges, but we're not allowed to be very open about it. Well, Shira goes, God damn it, I'm Noelle Stevenson. I'm queen of the gays, and I'm saying that this doesn't allow, this isn't cool anymore. So in Shira, all the gay relationships are really fucking obvious. They're like, here are our wives. These two are wives. Look at them kissing. They have anniversaries. They're wives. See these two? They're girlfriends. See those two? They're girlfriends. These two guys like each other. Everyone's gay. And then all the hetero uh, relationships are like, ooh, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, maybe a little forehead kiss. Hoo, hoo, hoo. And it completely changes the narrative and flips it on its head. And it's so gay. And it's so good. And I love it. And not only that, it's such a beautiful world. And the world building is so amazing. And it just said, it's, it's a total, it goes from being a fantasy to a space fantasy. And it's so good. And my lab partners, my lab partners, <laughs> they are beautiful and they're babies. And they gave us the greatest character ever made of all times. And this show, and his name is Wrong Hordak. Wrong Hordak is the best boy, and thank you, Noel, for making him. Okay, I'm done. All right. I wrote two well, chapters more than two of a seconds, fan but okay. I wrote two chapters of a Shira fan fiction in the last 24 hours, so I'm like in it. I can't wait for us to talk about it. And I'm actually kind of like thinking about the structure of Hope Makes Chris Watch cartoons and like how I want to structure it. And I doubt I like I'm starting to see kind of like the like the step ladder of it because like right now I did Gravity Falls get you hooked, and then we're gonna go through important animation starting with Avatar, which is the the Renaissance changer, and then you need the stepping stone of Steven Universe before you get to the stepping stone of Shira. That way you can like see how these all will weave together and influence each other and build on each other. And I can't wait. <laughs> but we're not doing that. We're doing Star Wars. I was about to say, yeah, I was about to say Clone Wars, but we're doing Rebels today. Thanks for letting me gotcha about Shira. You ready to talk about this? I am. All right. All right, here we go. <clears throat> In the Name of the Rebellion Part 2 is the 63rd episode of Star Wars Rebels, and it was released on October 23rd, 2017. Part 2 was written by Matt Michnovitz and directed by Bosco Ng. Some extra information for you. The technician Mitchmatch is voiced by David. Again, I'm going to missay your name as I did in season one. I'm so sorry. Is voiced by David Shaughnessy? Shaughnessy. Shaughnessy. David Shaughnessy. I know you oh you corrected me in season one. That just like flashed back on me like really terrible deja vu. <laughs> 
uh, David Shaughnessy, who is also the voice of Oresco and Grint in early seasons of Rebels. He also voices the pirate character Drell in Star Wars Resistance, and his other works include Labyrinth. More than likely, the character of Mitch Matt, Mitt Matt, is Mitt Matt is named after, more than likely it's named after writer Matt Mitchnovitz, but I couldn't actually find any definitive proof that that was true, but they have an ongoing trend of naming characters off after their writers and staff members, and Matt Mitchnovitz sounds like it's probably Mitt Matt. I felt like that was probably probably true. Yeah. The Lady Death Trooper is voiced by Jennifer Hale. She was the voice of Aya Sakura and Rio Chuchi in Clone Wars, Mon Mothma in Star Wars The Freemakers Adventures, and the pirate Valik in Star Wars Resistance. She's also known for being the voice of Commander Shepard in the Mass Effect series. One of the imprisoned technicians is a Thelan male, making this the first time we've ever seen a male Thelan on screen in Star Wars. This is the story that leads Saw Gerrera to Jeddah in Rogue One. His narrative is continued in the novel, Guardians of the Will. In the novel, Saul sustains a terrible injury which he loses one of his legs and causes his health to deteriorate as seen in Rogue One. And finally, Rebels Recon for this episode and for last week's episode. They talked about how the Rebel Alliance isn't quite, uh, isn't quite one big group yet. It takes the threat of the Death Star in Rogue One to finally bring everyone together. Also, pretty much all the cast and crew geeked out about being able to design Yavin 4 and bring it to life. They tried to keep it as close to the original trilogy as they could. Though, interesting point, Dave Filoni said it was never a goal of Rebels to have it line up with the films. He said that they like to keep, the, uh, they like to keep it separate from those things as much as they can so the animated characters can make their own independent choices. He never wanted animation to be a footnote to bigger mo- to the bigger movies, which is such an important note to make. Uh, they went to Yavin 4 because it made sense for the Ghost crew to go there, not to line it up with Rogue One or A New Hope. They also talk about Saul and how his sister Stila's death in Clone Wars completely altered Saul's path. Back then, when making Clone Wars, Dave Filoni and George Lucas always wanted him to be an extremist, and Stila... And Stila was the only one who could keep him off that path. They said that dark and light are not just themes of the Jedi and Sith. They play into all characters. Saul can't let go of his anger and hate and fear of what he lost with Stila. You know who also doesn't play with the dark and the... the, I don't know, Yoda, I tried. I had no good sex. Yoda plays with it all. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> How you doing, Yoda? Not bad. Have a good week. Like like Yoda's new tattoo? Mm. Says hot stuff in Chinese, yes. Mm. I'm pretty sure it says hot pot. Huh? You know, like, like no, a hot... No, hot stuff. Yeah. It, it, I did. I it was. Yeah, it looks great, Yoda. Yeah, yeah I love your uh, hot pot, hot stuff edgy. tattoo. Edgy. It's so edgy. Yoda's young little... and edgy. Mm. Are you trying to be like popular, like Baby Yoda, and talk to the youths? No, connect... not at all. You gotta connect with those youths of today. With. Mm. Hello, fellow kids. Mm. <laughs> On a hula hoop. <laughs> He, Yoda's hip. Do kids like yo-yos? <laughs> Here's a yo-yo. 
Yoda knows many yo-yo tricks. We call this one the maypole. Mm-hmm. We call <laughs> this one dangling Jedi. <laughs> Sorry, laughing at the maypole. Sorry, <laughs> made myself laugh. All right, Yoda, I have a question for you. Oh yes, a question for Yoda. <laughs> laughing about the maple, Chris. I just—it's an image. It's an image. Okay, sorry. I'm sorry. All right, your question this week, and I wasn't sure if it'd be like adventurous or scary or just kind of normal. And this episode had a giant kyber crystal, so it got me thinking. How did you find your kyber crystal for your lightsaber? Mmm, very lucky. Mmm, yes. In Space Cracker Jack box it was. Yes. So, you got it in a Space Cracker Jack box? Yes. Yoda likes Space Cracker Jack's prize there is. Mmm, sometimes a kyber crystal. Mmm. I started thinking, Yoda, the most powerful kyber crystals are probably formed from the greatest, tightest pressure in the galaxy, right? Mmm, popcorn. But yeah, so the tightest, most big amount of pressure, so the best kyber crystals would be a wet windu's butt. Ooh, yes, (laughs) very pressured in there. Mm, Yes. (laughs) What's your favorite kind of Cracker Jacks? Do they come in flavors? No. Oh, okay. Well, then never mind. (laughs) I haven't had Cracker Jacks since I was a child. Space Cracker Jacks. Mm. Ooh, that sounds tasty. Not bad. It's the prize. So, did they do run like a promotion for like, like with a Kyber crystal, like a Willy Wonka chocolate bar? You no, Yoda. Yoda is just hungry. Just hungry. Just, just good luck. Oh, well, maybe it was the will of the Force that your Kyber crystal came to you. Oh, yeah, yeah. Will of the Force, yes. It definitely, definitely. Destiny. You punched Yaddle and stole her crystal, didn't you? No. No. I know you. lies. Lying Yaddle. Dirty liar. Get out of here. (laughs) Jeez. Coming up here telling me all about Cracker Jacks when he probably just stole it from Yaddle. Yeah. Making all, all these rules about Cracker Jacks and Maples. And then you say, I just was holding it for a friend. <laughs> well, sorry, I had a burp. You ready to get into this episode? I'm ready. All right, Act One. Act Una. I didn't hear the word Uno. I just heard like a sound. Just, uh, it just sounded like Act Anna. Act Anna. Anna. Act One. So to recap from last week, the Space Family has teamed up with the bigger rebellion on Yavin 4. But tensions flare because all the politics from Mon Mothma and the other leaders are just going on. And Ezra's frustrated because all he really wants to do is save Lothal. Saul Guerrero Skype calls his way into the base and gets into a bitching match with Long Nekma, saying the Rebels aren't doing really good. And she calls him a terrorist. He says she's not acting fast enough. It's just a back and forth. 
The ghost crew was all frustrated, but they had to go to work and they had work to do to hack into an Imperial satellite dish. Ezra, Sabine, and Chopper get caught, but Saul comes out of nowhere and saves them and kidnaps all three of them for another mission of his own. On to this week! Our heroes with Saul and his crew are zipping through hyperspace, and Saul's like, Well, I'm not hearing you guys thanking me for saving your lives. And the kids thank Saul, and Ezra explains that they disobeyed orders by blowing up the satellite dish. And Saul's like, you can only follow orders for so long before, like, destiny and shit comes up. Anyway, I heard you guys were rocking on Mandalore. You want to help me out with this mission? He's, in t he's targeting an Imperial cargo ship that has some kind of secret item on it. Apparently, the Empire has been using these ships to move stuff around. He's never stopped to look, uh, he's never stopped looking for whatever the Empire was building on Geonosis. 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 Shush, shush, shush. And he wants the kids to infiltrate the ship for him. And, he adds in, I just saved your lives. So you're not volunteering for this. I'm pretty much volunteering you to do this. But the youths are all fed up with the politics of the Rebel Alliance anyway. And they're ready to fuck up some shit and be really rebel and rebel in a metal way. So Ezra and Sveen agree to help. While Chopper is absolutely against it. They get to a space station, and all the red flags immediately go up for Sabine. This place isn't Imperial, it's a civilian station, and the cargo ship doesn't appear to be doesn't appear to belong to the Empire. Saul says that's the point because they're hiding in plain sight. As they land the ship, Sabine quickly repaints Chopper to blend in because she apparently always has paint on her question mark. They park in the hangar bay. Two tubes drops them all off, and Sabine, Ezra, and Saul sneak onto the sneak on board the freighter in a, in a cargo container. Chopper pulls the container over, so they get loaded onto the ship. They're in. Right away, though, Ezra hears the weird wee 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 sound that you that <laughs> the wee 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 sound used for the Force, and it confuses it with singing. But he's the only one that can hear it. But Saul don't got time for that music crap. He's already obsessed with searching for stuff and ignores Sabine and Ezra's logical jumps. They have no choice but to follow Saul. Sneaking around, they immediately see some stormtroopers, proving Saul's theory that this is an Imperial ship. This is confirmed even more when Chopper checks the data logs and finds a military holding cell and that this ship is going to the middle of nowhere. You know, the middle of nowhere. It's a perfect hiding spot to secretly build something big moon-sized and may or may not be called a Death Star. They head to the restricted area to search some more. Using Chopper to distract the guards, they take out stormtroopers and go into the restricted area. They find a cargo hold that they're looking for, open the door, and they're shocked to find a group of people staring back at, him, at them. They just found a bunch of prisoners. Woo! I can't read tonight, Chris! How- what you- what y'all- what y'all think of Act 1? Oh, I only got a couple notes, but uh, I like Geonosis. Geonosis. Geonosis is another planet that's just a lot like Geonosis, but it's only a, just a lot. It's just a lot like it, but it's not it. So it's Geonosis. Ish. <laughs> Thanks. Um, this got to be the goddamn fastest paint job I've ever seen in my life. I, and it, where she doesn't have pockets. Where did it come from? She's just whipping around paint, and then she gives him this the whole stenciled paint job of multiple 
multiple colors and he's all in the lines and lined up and stuff. And it's literally just like, and like, it's not, we're not looking at like a time past sort of transition there either. They're, they're getting out of the ship and have to, have to, you know, get out and start their mission. So it's like, literally he gets like a, a like a 10 second (laughs) paint job and he's out the door dry and shiny but whatever story must goes on must go on um Dude, there were certain parts about this where i'm like things are moving at the speed of plot like an they're using three. some short they're using a lot of shorthand in it but i like some of the shorthand like uh there, i like that when they first get on the ship you see like they're in a hallway and you see a uh uh, advertisement with a rodian behind them and it's like you don't see ro- advertisements very often and star wars outside of planets because you're in usually we're in military zone when we're out in space and it it was neat to see like just a little background thing like that 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 makes it feel like you're in a civilian transport rather than you know an imperial transport or some sort of military vessel my my favorite shorthand thing um for this episode was in act three where they're trying to escape from the kyber crystal exploding and Sabine's like we don't have time to go to hyperspace and I just stopped and I'm like I think that's the first in Star Wars because they always have time for hyperspace yeah hyperspace is usually pretty quick but I know. not this time but I, I missed the Rodian poster I'm gonna have to go back and look at it I, I love because I love seeing all the posters in the background first get on the ship yeah it's just sort of sitting there in the background it's just a nice little subliminal thing that's all I got, really, for part one. Yeah, I don't have a lot of notes either. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, I like that Chopper is against the idea of working with Saul. Um, and, and it made me kind of wonder a couple things about Chopper, because first and foremost, Chopper's an asshole, and he knows another asshole when he sees one. I thought he would be more aligned. You would think he would be a little more aligned with Saul, because Chopper's kind Because he is, yeah, he's kind of an aggressive asshole, and... Yeah. yeah, but I, I didn't note it, but I started thinking more about it as I as we were talking, and I'm wondering if that's some of Hera's programming. Like, he's aware that Hera doesn't like Saul, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that might be something that he's picked up of, like, I don't know why, but there's a danger about this guy, and I'm yeah. not, I'm trying to warn you guys about oh, it. Oh, 100% for sure. Mm-hmm. I also like that Sabine immediately had red flags about all of this when she saw that the space station was a civilian station. I mean, she ended up being incorrect because because it ended up being an Imperial ship. But I liked that moment because it's the first clue of Saul's going taking us to where civilians are. This isn't a war zone. This is well, a place I, for they've, civilians. They've dealt with civilian zones before, but she was just upset because they were going into a civilian... like. Saw's like, we're going to do this military thing. Then there's civilians there, and they know Saw's history with civilians. Yeah. So if it was just the 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 ghost crew on this mission, she wouldn't be having the same sort of sort of second thoughts. But when you're on yeah. the ship with Saw Guerrera, it's like, oh yeah, Saw would feel no remorse in just blowing up this whole ship and taking all the whatever you know civilians are operating it or being transported on it. You know. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. And my other, my only other note is my only really big note. And it's kind of like uh, there's background to it, but then it made me kind of think about this episode. 
So back when we did the honorable ones, you brought up a really good point about Callus. And uh, you were saying that every time that Zepp presented Callus with logic, Callus had knowledge of propaganda and he had these like propaganda laced excuses to back up his rhetoric until he ran out of excuses and he didn't have any choice but to face logic. That's kind of how I feel about Saul here, because especially early in the episode, every time Ezra or Sabine questions him, he has his own form of extremist propaganda to stop Sabine and Ezra from questioning things. And eventually we know in the episode he runs out of those excuses and they have to see the truth. But it was nice how it was kind of laid down because, you know, when they first get on the ship, uh, they're like, these are all just normal ship things. These could have come from Corellia. And he's like, no, yeah. these are Imperial ship things. And they're like, are you sure? And he's like, yes, look at this manifest. And then, of course, they see the stormtroopers. So they're like, okay, maybe this does hold some weight. So it's kind of cool how they swapped that sort of propaganda rhetoric a little bit because he always had some answer every time they questioned him. And it was kind of like a nice, it was a different kind of propaganda that's not so blatantly obvious like it was with early Callus or, or say, like Minister Tua. Well, it's the rhetoric of his, of the, of the radical, you know? I mean, when, whenever, like anything, like, I mean, we're, we're, we're nerd fans. So we have our, you know, all the nerd, different nerd people have their own little, you know, language to speak in their different, different nerd worlds. And it's the same with it. He's, he's in a world where he and all the other people that he's dealing with, not exactly of the same mindset, but they're all more or less on the same page. So when you cross outside of that sort of niche world into the real world, you know, you're, 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 you know, pushing the boundaries of, of reality, you know, you're, you're, you're coming from, you know, it's like a cult member, you know, when they, when they leave the cult and go back to the, the normal world, his, he's lived in a world steeped with that rhetoric and nobody to, to contradict it, you know, as much, I'm, you know, he gets it from the, the rebels and stuff, but they're, you know, there's somebody he's working with more than, you know, a part of. He's yeah. he's more he's more of a faction. He represents more of a faction. But he's a, I he's liked, a faction of the cult leaders. I liked that he they they could have really set this up to be a little more black and white of what uh um Saw could have been a bigger asshole in this episode. But yeah. this this episode this by by the end of this episode, um I liked it. I liked that like, you know, there was no definitive who is right and who is wrong in this scenario. You know, the way everything worked out in these two episodes, you can't say Saw's definitively right and you can't say the other people were definitively right because they were sort of right in different places and they were both generally right in a sort of, you know, overall terms. It's just sort of how you look at it. But they could have made, you know... um, saw more i i was expecting him to be a little more extreme i was expecting him to put more people in in danger in the you know to sacrifice more civilians in in this than than he was you know he was going to sacrifice those guys that were kidnapped but you know that's uh, you know 
That's that's a really good point because I actually just watched Rogue One last week. Um, actually, by the time this comes out, uh, it should be out. So um, this week, I'm going to be a guest on a podcast called Geeky Girl Gab. So by, probably by the time this episode comes out, I'm going to be guesting on that podcast, and I'm going to be on their Rogue One episode. So check out Geeky Girl Gab, guys. I'm going to be a guest on there soon. But I had to rewatch uh, Rogue One to get ready for that because I messed up the dates, and I thought it was last Friday, and it's this Friday, so I watched Rogue One last week. But it's true, like... So it's it's very interesting um, doing this episode and the episode that we did last week and seeing a lot of the parallels really, really lining up with Rogue One. Like there's a scene in Rogue One where Mon Mothma's like, yeah, we don't like Saw Gerrera, but we just saw last week how they were just, she she got in a bitch fight with him. But it's interesting because you're, you're right. Like he could be way more of an asshole because we know in Rogue One, he's gone. Like he's, right, he's so paranoid. Yeah, he's so paranoid that he doesn't even trust Jin, the the girl that he's a father to. He's one of Jin's two father figures, and he raised her, and he thinks that she's there to murder him. And he tortures Bodhi. Like, he to- absolutely tortures Bodhi in that movie because he's just that far gone. And I wonder if it's the difference between, A, this is a younger audience animated show, or B... He hasn't gone, hasn't completely lost it yet, and he's not fully gone. Or see a little bit of both. I think I think when he gets into his horrible accident, that's what you know. It maybe it even injures his brain a little bit, you know, or or whatever. But like, yeah, like I, I mean, he's he's been a bigger jerk in the past, in you know, in in Clone Wars and Rebels. So he would like, yeah, it was it, it hit a middle ground. It wasn't just sort of this black and white story of, of uh, Saw Gerrera's, you know, sort of socio being the sort of sociopath rebel. Yeah. So I I sort of like that. It was it was uh, it, he it made him likable by the end of this episode. Yeah, I mean, it's know, the most likable I think Saw Gerrera's been in all of in all of his appearances is in I this episode. That- it helped that the, like there was nothing there. Like once they arrived, I mean, yeah, we're getting to Act Three a little bit, but like once they arrived and he saw there was nothing there, it was just like, oh well, on to the next. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> Here's your lightsaber. Uh, I mean, it'd been it would have been different if there was something there. Like, can you imagine how he would reacted if he actually like arrived and there was the Death Star? Like his reaction would have been totally different. Like he would have just doubled down and been like, "We have to get this. We have to get plans. We have to fight it. We gotta steal the Death Star, guys. We're gonna steal the entire fucking Death Star." Like it would have been a completely different thing, but it just ended up being like, "Oh, nothing's here. Okay, fight another day. Let's go." Yeah. No. I mean, it's 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 sort of a it's uh. It's sort of like the first two episodes. This one's a little bit of a replay of the last one of a mission and then and then it goes into a this mission wasn't as clear as the mission in the last episode, but it goes into Sagrera territory and then it just ends up blowing everything up. <laughs> yeah. You know. And but, uh, but at the same time that blowing blowing everything up has been beneficial. Uh, definitely blowing up that kyber crystal i'm sure took a little bit of wit and taking taking their uh engineers that they that they they obviously needed engineers if they had to kidnap them so yeah. uh you know 
they they it still it definitely struck a blow. <laughs> yeah. Palpatine's not going to be happy the next day. Yeah. But that's all I had for Act 1. Did you have anything else? No. All right. <clears throat> Act 2. Hopefully we won't return to Genosrish. <laughs> Act 2. So they found a group of prisoners and Ezra's like, "Great work, Saul." We can free these people now. But Saul's not happy. This isn't what he came here for. He doesn't care about helping people. He yells at one of the prisoners for answers. And they explain that any cargo, any of the cargo came from the Jedha system. You know, where Rogue One takes place for a chunk of the movie. Also, every one of them are some forms of technicians that were taken by the Empire to work on a secret pro- project. Wink, wink, Death Star. Sabine doesn't think that there would be so many guards for just a few technicians. And Saw's like, right, I know, yes, there has to be something more there, let's go! But Ezra points out that they need to help the prisoners now. They can't put them in harm's way. Sabine points out that they can take escape pods once they sabotage the hyperdrive. Suddenly, Chopper kicks in the door going, Hey, there are troopers coming, you assholes! Hide! And they all cram the people back inside the cargo hold and hide. But with a quick, br- uh, with a, after a quick, a bush of the ground. <laughs> I think I was trying to write ambush, but I put wow. ambush. <laughs> after a quick ambush. A bush. A bush of the guards. <laughs> after a quick ambush of the guards, Saul runs right out of there. Ezra tells Chopper to take care of the prisoners, and he and Sabine head after Saul. They all do some sneaking around, avoiding guards, more sneaking, 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 until Ezra hears the singing again. And as uh, Sabine gets the door open, and there's a squad of freaking death troopers waiting for them. Sabine throws in some smoke bombs to hide them, and all the rebels slink in. One by one, they take out the death troopers. In the fighting, one gets away. Also, Saul's, uh, also, one of Saul's blaster bolts struck a, strike a cargo thingy in the middle of the room. It, sp- it sparks, which is enough to make the death troopers panic. The holding, block, uh, the holding block thing melts away and reveals a big fucking kyber crystal. One this big is super unstable, so they all had to put their weapons away. The death trooper who got away, who is a lady, so I, which is really cool, and I'm going to call her Lady Death because she's a lady death trooper. And kind of a weird nod to a very cult comic. Lady Death informs the captain on the ship that the rebels are there to fuck shit up. And they'll inform Director Krennic about this just to get in all the Rogue One references. Meanwhile, Chopper gets all the prisoners to the escape pods and one calls him a kind little droid. Chopper looks him in the eye and goes, I have murdered 50 people. But Lady Death tells the captain to purge the escape pod so no one can escape the ship. Seeing this, Chopper panics and yells at the prisoners, Get the fuck out of there or die! And the prisoners safely get out, but they're all confused because this is a really poorly planned rescue mission. Welcome to the Rebellions, friends, where everything is poorly planned. Anyway, Saul realizes that the reason they have the technicians is so they can weaponize the power of the kyber crystal. Ezra wants to get the prisoners out of there. Saul wants the ship to reach, a, reach its final destination to find out what the Empire is building. 
Sabine talks him out of this because the Empire can't get the Kyber Crystal. Saul backs down and the kids leave to disable the hyperdrive. Or does Saul back down? He does a little like over the shoulder look and glares. Sabine and Ezra get to the room to disable the hyperdrive. But right before they can do it, Saul stuns them both. He's come too far to not learn the Empire secrets. He plans on doing this today, even if it means taking out a bunch of kids to do it. What you think of Act 2? That's good. I got no more notes for that. I, I love that Saw does the sort of... This is the only sort of crazy person thing he does in here. Is like After he stuns him, he's just like, you know... And I'm going to find out that then today I will, you know, the whole thing you where mean, he verbalizes his internal, yeah, he ver- verbalizes his internal monologue like a That's comic book. That's called a soliloquy. <laughs> yeah. And I like, there's some nice, like, yellowed, dirty floors in the, in this, so it's just a nice touch. And, like, when they were, when they were fighting the, the death troopers and the smoke was just beautiful looking and um the you know the a couple rogue one referee they reference krennic and uh and ezra sort of uses a vader move from rogue one when he like lifts a bunch of stormtroopers up to the ceiling and then slams them down on the ground oh yeah but, that's true yeah huh. but uh i was thinking like the whole the, that gigundus kyber crystal i mean Ezra was just hearing, he should have, that thing should have been just like, you know, it's so humongous. It should have been just like this, like wave of like, it shouldn't have been just like, he's just like, ah, something's weird here. It must, he would, it would have been like a black hole of, you know, of, I mean, it, 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 it should be like just drawing Jedi and Sith to it, like moths to a flame. It's humongous, you know. You know, you know when people are driving <clears throat> around and their base is up too high in their car, and you just hear like, "Doom, doom, doom, bro, bro, bro." Yeah, that's what the outside of that ship should have sounded like when they were pulling up to it. Or when you're at a concert and you're standing right beside the speaker, and that's it's just it's not even music; it's just noise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It should have been just like, like. And, like, Jedi and, and kyber crystals have a little thing going on in the Force. They have this whole thing going on. You know, and Jedi, like, when they use their kyber, when they're putting together their lightsaber, the lightsaber, the kyber crystals floating around and stuff. It, I mean, it would have been a totally different story. But, like, I would have just assumed there would have, Ezra could have done some crazy stuff with that kyber crystal, you know, or been like, I can't be near that thing. <laughs> It'll yeah. blow me up, you know. Or something like that, you know, it, but it just became in 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 the way it acted. As far as Ezra was concerned, it was just an object, you know, it might as well have been a, an, a, a, a um, you know, a cylinder full of unstable plasma or something, you know, at that point, instead of a gigundous Jedi, you know, kyber crystal thing. So I, I thought they sort of wasted a little opportunity there, but just a little bit because it was still really cool looking. Yeah, I love when 
the holding thing after it gets shot just kind of melts away. Like that's that's unique that they yeah. have this kind of like melting away holding container. Like how does that even work? Like does it like melt and do they have to pour it on top of the thing until it's stable and then it melts away when they need it? Like I I was trying to figure out the physics behind its holding container a little bit. Or it could have just been the the energy of the kyber crystal just you know dissipated its molecules or something but then but, why is yeah. it not like burning through the floor then and dropping every level right but that's, but that's what i that's what i like about star star wars is shit like that just happens and then you have to yeah. you sit and think about well something happened you know maybe someday down the line we'll see like somebody's like oh we use this this kind of unstable metal to or you know super stable metal to put around the kuiper crystals it's like a, it, they, it's, it's sort like of a melted way. away, like when they melted Han Solo out of his uh, carbonite. So maybe it was carbonite of some sort. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's kind of like what Pablo Hidalgo says. Now you're putting science in our Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, but that's all I got for part two. Um, actually, while we're still talking about kyber crystals, I, I've just always liked them. I always like that they're almost sentient. Um, and it's like a means of the Force to speak to the Jedi. And I, I like how kyber crystals almost have that kind of sentient nature about them, even though they're just crystals. I, I always thought that was a cool point about them, about how Jedi, and, and probably Sith too, can like hear kyber crystals and can sense the Force through them. I, I, I just always thought that was a cool thing about them. Um, I love the line, pretend you're still prisoners, but we are still prisoners. <laughs> It was such a funny, like, little line to slid in there of, but well, we are still prisoners. <laughs> um, and you know, that was something an engineer would say, too, you know, just just, yeah. a, 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 just sort of a flat, dry observation. I liked it. And it was done in kind of a slightly doofy voice because it was kind of like the, we are still prisoners. <laughs> it wasn't the, like the normal guy talking. So Yeah, yeah. Um, my only other note is I love how they show Saul's kind of like like m pushing him a little bit further with each act. Because actually starting last week, Saul presents this alternative way of fighting to the rebels and like and catches Ezra's ear when he's just like, you guys need to be acting. You need to be fighting. You're not hurting the Empire. And we saw last week Ezra and Hera both going, yeah, like we kind of want to hurt the Empire, you know? And then th at the start of this episode, like, Saul's getting them on the ship and everything's going well. But the moment the prisoners uh, intro are introduced into the story, it draws a line in the sand. And, like, Saul Guerrero has this line of, if you cross my on my side, we're going to leave these guys behind. But if you stay on your side, you're going to be like all those other political rebel leaders who care more about politics than fighting. And it's interesting because, like, it shows, like, where he stands. Like, he's never cared about casualties or people. We know this. We know this going back to Clone Wars that he doesn't care about casualties. And Oh, yeah, and he was blatantly resorting to peer pressure and, and shaming and ridicule. You know, oh, if you want to be cool, you can come work with me and get something done, you know? Yeah, and he even tells Ezra, like, what are you like? What would you do for your planet? Like, wouldn't you do anything for your planet? If not, then you're not a real rebel. So it's it's just introducing the prisoners is a really good story note because it really shows where Sabine and Ezra are and where Saul is and it keeps going back to that Yoda thing of like how we choose to fight which I'll bring back up in Act Three 
And that, and that's re really what is the important note here is it's how they choose to fight and Sabine and Ezra choose the people, not the let's just leave everyone behind. Well, also by now, like Ezra has has warded off the mind games of Darth Maul, you know, so I, Saw Gerrera going like you want to be cool and get something done. It doesn't really I mean, Ezra intellectually does agree with Saw in a lot of ways. But at the same time, he, you know, he's not fallen for that bullshit, even though he's a kid. You know, Saw thinks he can just sort of use that. But Ezra's, you know, Ezra's got some Jedi training, too. And, and he's just like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> I actually have a Darth Maul note in Act 3. Ooh, interesting. But that's all I have for this act. Did you have anything else? No. All right, you ready to... Carefully wrap the puppy up and put a bow on its head? Well, sure. All right. Act three. <laughs> Act three. So Saul has knocked out a couple of teenagers and is about to ruin everything. Lady Death is leading a group of stormtroopers to the cargo hold. She blows open the door and finds that the kyber crystal is gone. But she also finds out that the engine room has lost contact and she heads that way. Sabine wakes up first and gets Ezra awake to find Saul giving his men coordinates on where to pick them up. Saul goes off about how everything he's ever worked for is coming together. Sabine tries to reason that they don't even know if there's a super weapon in the Tana system, which is where they're going, but there will be re reinforcements waiting for them. But Saul's past listening to reason. He has dragged a big old unstable kyber crystal into the room with them, you know, for kicks. Also, total side note, how did he get that big-ass kyber crystal through the tiny fucking door in the background? I rewound it and paused it, and I was like, there's no way he'd get that big-ass thing through that tiny-ass door without blowing up everybody. <laughs> anyway, science and Star Wars. They hear the ship coming out of hyperspace. It's time to see if everything Saul dreamed of is about to come true. They drop out of hyperspace, and... Pause for dramatic effect. There's nothing there but a Star Destroyer waiting for them. There's no super weapon anywhere to be seen. Luckily, Two Tubes comes out of hyperspace. And Imperials can't fire on his ship since it's docking with a cargo ship that has a big-ass unstable Kyber Crystal on board. Well, Saul's ready to get the heck out of there. Where, and then uh, get out of there until Ezra points out that they can't leave the prisoners. Saul emphasizes that this is war, and shit happens. He asks what Ezra was willing to do to free Lothal. Saul's lost everything, so he's a man without anything to hold him back. And again, Ezra presses on about the prisoners. Saul's done with all of this and gives them a timetable to get off their ship. By stabbing the hyperdrive and shooting the container holding the kyber crystal. The entire thing starts to glow angrily as it absorbs the energy around them. He frees the kids from their handcuffs and gives Ezra back his lightsaber. Saul gives them one more chance to come with him. But Ezra looks him in the eye and says, No way, you jerk butt! We're going to help people the right way, just like Yoda taught me. And Saul's like, What the fuck is a Yoda? Never mind, bye! And he fucks right off out of there and runs away and hops on his ship with two tubes and they leave. Ezra calls into Chopper and tells him to call Hera for a pickup. They then need to get all the prisoners onto a shuttle. It's definitely time to leave, because the 
crystals all glowy and about to explode. Chopper gets the nervous prisoners into the hangar bay. When one doesn't want to get on the ship, Chopper fucking headbutts the guy before rolling out to the guards. In a brilliant blaze of glory, Chopper shocks one of the guards and slaps the other one into submission. And he turns to the prisoners and yells, Get on the fucking ship, you nerds! But uh-oh, Lady Death and her men run into the hangar bay and they're ready to shoot some innocent people. Luckily, Ezra and Sabine are right behind them and make it there in time. Ezra kicks Lady Death to the curb and they all hop on board the shuttle and get out of there. But Sabine realizes that they don't have time to jump to hyperspace, which is like a first in Star Wars. So she heads towards the Star Destroyer so the big ass ship can hopefully shield them away from the kyber crystal, which is about to explode. And then it does! And it's a big explosion, big enough to take out the Star Destroyer. The kid's ship gets caught in the crossfire, and they lose all their engines. And they're stranded. Again, a pause for dramatic effect. Except they're not, because there's Hera, in the Ghost, coming to pick them up. Hooray! <clears throat> Once everyone is safe on board the Ghost, the technicians decide to team up with the Rebellion. If the Empire wanted them so badly that they would resort to kidnapping, then they're, they're willing to help beat the bad guys too. Kanan's not liking this whole Empire taking the Kyber Crystal thing, since this is the second time they stopped the baddies from getting one. Friendly reminder, because I had to look this up, because I was like, what do you mean the second time? The first time happened way back in Season 1, during the episode where Ezra is pretending to be a cadet and has to like sneak into cadet training. During all that episode, Heron Kanan found the first Kyber Crystal and blew it up. Anyway, Sabine tells him that Saul was convinced the crystals are being used for weapons, and Ezra drops a chilling last line of the episode. What if the Empire is on the verge of winning a war that the Rebel Alliance doesn't believe they're already fighting in? Dun dun dun. The end. What'd you think of Act 3? Missed opportunity in this one with Saw Gerrera. What do you mean? I think I would... <laughs> I think it would have been awesome if Saw Gerrera was like, I know what, the, like, he gets back to his ship, he's like, now I know what the Empire is doing, and we must stop them. They're going to build the world's biggest lightsaber. <laughs> you know, it's so funny that you haven't watched Freemaker Adventures because there is an all-powerful lightsaber. Oh, really? Um, in, in that show, and it's like, <laughs> it's... Oh, God, what's it called? Hold on. Well, keep talking. I'm going to look the this up. The Death Saber, something like that. The Thank Ultra you. Saber, the Mega Saber. You're the, so close. Freemaker Adventures, Light. Lightsaber Prime. The Kyber Elf. Saber. It's the called Kyber, the Kyber the Saber. Kyber Saber. Yeah, that's exactly that's exactly what they would be building with this. A, a giant light, a, a giant tube-like thing that just like turns on and just put and spears right through the middle of a planet and that's exactly what the that's exactly what the kyber saber does it's so power it's made of something like nine giant kyber crystals and it's so powerful that it can slice moons in half which is why palpatine wants it so it gets broken up and they hide all the pieces which is a, a big part of the plot so it's so funny that you haven't watched freemaker adventures but you went to there yeah, I mean that's just, I mean that's what I would have thought if I was there. I would have been like, they're making a big lightsaber, the <laughs> biggest lightsaber. It's like a Bendu lightsaber. Um, <laughs> now I'm just imagining Bendu with a lightsaber. 
What's a up, lot of, guys? This is a lot of part, <laughs> A lot of parts of the show, like especially with stormtroopers in it, and with the death death trooper sort of characters and the smoke and the drab backgrounds, there were a lot of shots, just individual shots, just for like two or three seconds at a time, where it almost looked like you were watching black and white. And that was that was kind of cool, but it was just because it was there would be things where there was no colors really going on, except for maybe a few like dark blues and stuff. But um, but there were a few shots where they just actually visually looked like black and white shots for for half a second. Yeah, I can um, see that. And my only other two notes are pretty shallow. They're they're, they're just the the shot of the burning star destroyer is really Real neat cool. be, because it, it like got blown up by a kyber crystal so it's more like this weird plasma almost rainbow like yeah too. rainbow plasma thing going on around it and it's really neat looking and um the the shot of dollar store phasma shooting at the bottom of the shuttle as it flies over is really neat too i like that shot a lot a lot of phasma feelings from her as well i didn't know oh, yeah it, but yeah lady similar, Death was similar very voice phasma. and manner of speaking and i was doing the math and i'm like yeah it's it's not probably not plausible that this is a young phasma or something you know that that far ahead in time but like yeah she reminded me a lot of of phasma but uh um just a shot where she just like boom falls down on her back and just starts shooting at the underside of the the shuttle is is really neat. It, now, what what could have been really cool is if she actually hit their hyperdrive, and that's why they couldn't jump to hyperspace. Uh, yeah, that could have made sense. That would have been a really cool like story moment, because then yeah, all they would have had to do, do is show them in the ship in a little shake, and she's like, oh, she got our hyperdrive, and yeah. Mm. That 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 would have made the whole like we can't jump to hyperspace when they always jump to hyperspace made sense. So. And and that would work for a death trooper because death troopers um are like almost programmed they're the, they're almost like lobot like almost like the lobots where they have like their brains altered so they're just death troopers and that would have been cool of like a moment of well if I'm dying I'm taking these two with me yeah just might as well you know it was and it was it was sort of like uh, a just sort of a an act, you know a symbolic act rather than uh, but she she gave it a try yeah so I, it was, I, yeah i imagine that's like one of them where she was hitting it i'm like you know that's probably one of the like heaviest armored parts of the ship but okay <laughs> yeah it still looks great and it's it's a character moment but that's all i got for for part three um i'll just go straight down my notes um, this story, this is my big note of the section, this story could have easily felt really repetitive with the Ezra trusting Hondo or Maul stories. Yeah. But what, what I liked about this two-parter is they showed that his trusting of Saul came from a different place. Because with Hondo, Ezra sees the good in Hondo, even, and he sees past the whole pirate thing, and he can see that Hondo's a good person. When it came to Maul... Ezra was at first manipulated by Maul um, during the whole trials of uh, trials on Twilight of the Apprentice episode. He was actually uh, uh, manipulated by Maul, and then he got tied to Maul after that, and then got it portrayed. But when it comes to Saul, 
Ezra wants a way, a new way to save Lothal. And that's the whole point of it. It's a whole road. It's the whole, like, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. And the the road to saving his homeworld, like, he's willing to go to hell and back. And he's so eager to save it, which is understandable because it's his homeworld. But this was, this whole story is about him going, I don't want to end up like this person. I want to find the right way of fighting. Which is nice because that's what makes it different from the Hondo and Maul stories that we've seen the before is the intention behind it, which is really it, nice. It makes it different from Anakin too, because Anakin was somebody who was also like following the, the you know the path of good intentions, that, yeah. and, and wanting I, to, wanting to save Padme rather than his world. But it's the same sort of idea. I but actually like saw Ezra. Movie. Ezra has had Ezra had a dad. <laughs> you know that's that's the difference between all these guys so so he was so by this point Ezra is able to he's he is manipulated by Saw but Saw's different than Hondo like Hondo's not supposed to be on his side but Ezra knows that Hondo's got enough of a core in him or just likes Ezra enough that or respects him enough that Hondo's got his back and Maul was Maul was strictly he knew Maul was no good, but he you know, he was trying to get something out of it. But with Saw, Saw's supposed to be on his side and you know Saw doesn't have your back. He'll have your back until it's to his advantage not to have your back, and then he won't have your back, even though he's supposed to be on your side. So he's yeah, I would saw that would put Saw on like less on the trust scale than Maul or Hondo. <laughs> yeah. For me, anyway. I saw actually a really fascinating post about how, like, all the Sith Lords that we know about and how they were all Sith Lords because of good intentions. Because Maul was taken from his mother and was raised to think that he was a major player in some important movement. Anakin became a Sith Lord because he wanted to save a life. Dooku became a Sith Lord because he saw a corrupt system and he wanted to fix it. And uh, Ben Solo became a Sith Lord because he was manipulated to the dark side and and didn't feel loved. And he was seeking love and appreciation. And I, I just think that's so interesting. Like, they're all good intentions. Like, they all want to find something better and find a new, better way of doing things, but it's all for the wrong reasons. And I, I just find that a really fascinating mindset of, the reason they all fell were because of good intentions. Yep. Yeah. Ezra's like our only, Ezra's the only character we were ever given. That's like, it's like, okay, here's, here's what would happen if <laughs> they didn't have that, that, the, the, you know, lack of family and support that the other Jedi did. And it's, it's, it's an interesting it's sort of a parallel to the other Star Wars stories, but with with healthier characters. <laughs> that, yeah, that's a good point because I think I think Ray could have really been written well if she was in the right hands. Like I, you know, I'm no I'm no fan of how J.J. Abrams have handled the Star Wars movies and handle, especially Tross. I'm not a fan of Tross. That said. I see the groundwork that he laid down, and I think mm-hmm. Ray could have been a very well-written character like Ezra if if she was in the right hands, because I, I see the groundwork that he did. 
I think Luke is also another Ezra-like character because we know that he was raised with a loving family with Owen and Beru. And then, of course, he ended up getting Leia and his found family with, like, Han and Chewie and Lando and stuff like that. So I, I think Luke is probably the other one. And, and, and he's been tempted by the dark side multiple times. So I and, and he still came out a hero because of it. So I think Luke is probably the closest written to Ezra character. Yeah, but Luke had Luke had his point in Empire Strikes Back where like okay, Beru and Owen were lying to him his whole life, but that was to you know, that Protect was out him. of pr- parental need. That he you know, that's nothing you'd see you saw him holding against them or dealing with or anything like that. But Obi-Wan, you know, Obi-Wan and, you know, by the time he start, you know, by the time he meets his real father, he's like at a point where he like the people, his his current family or the people that he's supposed to trust sort of like deceived him, you know. Yeah. And he sort of has to fall back upon his other his other family, you know, it's yeah, but. Yeah. Yeah. Luke also is, is, suffers from being more boring than Ezra. <laughs> Sorry, that's a personal opinion. All right, Hope. All right. I know. For more, right, listen to now. our commentaries of the original trilogy, where I'm pretty sure... What did I call Luke? <laughs> did I call him, like, a basic bitch or something like that? Something or, like that, yeah. Something like that. I don't remember. That was all, back, all the way back at Christmas. Anyway, my next note is a total side note. Because when they're waking up from Saul stunning them, Sabine's all like, Ezra, your friend betrayed us. But Sabine, you were wanting to go along with all this, too. And you were wanting a new way to fight as well, remember? Yeah. Well, you know, it's like when your parents go, look what your kid did. So. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, my, My final Saul note is they do a really good job writing him, showing the trope of someone who has nothing left to lose, nothing left to lose, which is why he's so dangerous. And that's a, they write him really well in, in that kind of trope because he really has absolutely nothing left to lose. So he's just like, yeah, I'll die for this. Let's go. That's true. Yeah. Um, and the only other note is about last week's episode. All right. So uh, this is, of course, In the Name of the Rebellion, part two. And do you think that this episode stands on its own as well as last week's episode? No. Well, no, because it, it needs last episode for setup. But, and it also sort of, it sort of echoes and affirms the theme from the last episode. But if you, like, put, you could have put a one- two to two minute scene at the beginning of this to set it up you know where like they're in the middle of a battle and Saw Gerrera shows up and Ezra gets in the ship you know with and you know when they get in the ship with and have to take you know basically they could have just used the last minute of the last episode if that episode didn't exist tack it onto this one and it would have worked on its own you know yeah. it would have been just like you just jumped in in the middle of a battle like we sometimes do so it wasn't that much dependent on it but 
it was slightly slightly less of a its own episode as the last one could be taken for. That's exactly how I feel. Because last week did pretty much have a beginning, middle, and end. Like, they could have, uh, it, it pretty much stood on its own. But this one needs last episode to really make sense, really. Because the last episode was all set up and setting up this stuff with yeah. Ezra. But, but all you have point- to do is, is the, the only setup that you would need to get this episode going is how did, how did they get in the ship with Saw, you know? Yeah. And you but could you do that have- really quickly. You still wouldn't have all of the whole, like, Ezra th- stuff, character work going on. Because so much of last week was him, like, talking with Mon Mothma and going, what about Lothal? And, like, him sitting down and, like, mm-hmm. questioning what they're doing. Um, and he didn't really get a chance to question anything about that until he was face-to-face with Saul. Um, so I, I I feel the same way. Like, I think this one, I think last week stood on its own better, while this one needs the previous episode to actually really, to really, really sing on its own. So... Uh, but that's all I have. Did you have anything else? No, not really. You ready to score it up? Yeah, score it up, Chris. Remember I was saying last week, oh, maybe I'll, you know, want to rate these episodes as a whole and, you know, as not separate episodes. But I don't have to make that decision personally because I rated it exactly the same as last week, 8.5. It was like visually this one was a little better, but story wise, the other one was a little better. So they, so they sort of, yeah. But both of them are pretty strong episodes. They're, they're, they're not super drama story arc episodes, but they're nice adventure episodes with some good. They're, they're sort of, I think they're sort of doing the, the necessary tie-in work with uh, Rogue One. Yeah. Probably due to release date, <laughs> secret synchronization. Now so, in the uh, in the Rebels Recon, they actually worked with the Rogue One writers uh, to create these two episodes. Right, right. And, yeah, and and you know, so so it's sort of outside of the you know the big the the major story arc, but as inside the story arc and tying in with Rogue One, it's really good. And and it's like and with the animation you can say ah it ties in with Rogue One but you can also say ah it ties in it's actually tying in with Clo- Rogue One ties in with Clone Wars. <laughs> Clone Wars. They both they both tie in with Clone Wars. Yeah, that's where Saw Gerrera first showed up, right? Oh oh, I thought you meant like tying into the Death Star to the original trilogy. Yeah yeah no yeah no Saw Gerrera comes straight yeah, out yeah. from Clone Wars. So yeah, any yeah, connection yeah. in in so you could say oh they're t- they are tying them into Rogue One obviously in the show, but it's all it's all really tying into to Clone Wars. So yes yes I see what you're saying. So 8.5. Um, for me, I like this episode a lot for the same reasons I liked a lot of last week's episode. It continues some of those threads, but I don't think it stands on its own as well as last week did. I also just really liked the satellite dish fight a lot more. <laughs> it's just an interesting fight. Um, all that said, I like Ezra's lesson here. And Chopper, we didn't even talk about Chopper like headbutting people and slapping bitches around. <laughs> Well, you talked about it when we were when you did the description of the episode, but yeah, Chopper, yeah, Chopper is. Uh, I I like it when Chopper they set him up. Chopper, you get to actually see him leading a mission where he's like they're like do this, and he's got to, he's got to herd humans around, you know, and he takes charge of them. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, yeah. 
So um, I scored it slightly less. Um, last week it was an 8. This week I gave it a 7.75 out of 10. Just a oh. hair lower than last week's episode. Because I think last week um, I liked the, the fight a little bit more. And I think I liked, I liked more of the drama. And I thought it stood on its own better than this week. So... Well, as always, we would love to hear your feedback on iTunes, Twitter, or on the Two True Facebook, <laughs> Two True Freaks Facebook page. My voice is starting to leave me. Uh, this week, our feedback comes from Facebook and Twitter for our episodes "Through Imperial Eyes" and "Secret Cargo." Take it away, Chris. All right, the first one for "Through Imperial Eyes" comes from Paul C. Kelly. Oh yeah, I haven't done a yeah. Paul C. Kelly in a little while. More Thrawn hearts. Then Paul added. 13 blue hearts in what in the tweet jesus man 13 hearts because maybe it was the 13th time callus tried to pull a fast one on thrawn and ran into some bad luck oh yeah that's an actual written oh yeah time to go kung fu fight some robots oh my god i love that scene I think Love this it. is the first cool. written oh yeah that I usually it's just you and I throwing in the oh yeahs. Yeah, yeah you're, you're right. I think you're right. This, this <laughs> thing's about to get out of hand. All right. <laughs> so uh, the next one's from Secret Cargo. And this one, I still get to do voices in all of them this time. This one's from Paul C. Kelly. Just watch the episode. Haven't listened to the podcast yet, but I think Hope will be all over this, and I'm sure she recognized the voice of Niku from Resistance and a character named Erskine Samaj, who is working with Gold Squadron and Mon Mothma. Oh, yeah. Now you don't know if that oh, yeah, was written down or just me. Like, liked how they portrayed Gold Leader from A New Hope in this as well. And then Hope says... LOL, his nickname for the episode is Not Nico. Yep, I recognize Josh Brenner's voice right away. Yes, Josh Brenner sure was also in uh, the new episode, the new season of Clone Wars. And the moment I heard his character, I was like, that's Nico! <laughs> uh, Josh Brenner also does a really great character in DuckTales, where he pretty much plays Mark Zuckerberg as a villain. <laughs> and it's is he great. called Mark Zuckerberg? His name is Mark Beeks, but yeah. Yeah. Alright, what candy are we doing? I don't know. Um, what about... Oh, I like the apple ones. The Shinshu... The Shinshu apple? Alright, let me, uh... Let well, me if you don't know what we're doing, Chris uh -huh. is a weirdo. Yeah. Chris is a weirdo and hates American Kit Kats. So our friend Dario, who is Chris's co-podcaster for Eat and Beat It, sends us candy from all over the world to review. And he sent us a big box of Japanese Kit Kats. And this week we're doing the Shinshu Apple. It smells like apple, Chris. Now, are you noticing that? It smells not just like apple, but you can almost smell like kind of the, the inside of the apple skin. Mm -hmm. And a little bit of like... It's weird. Yeah, that's the first thing I noticed of it is a smell. I haven't taken a bite yet. Okay. Oh my god. I don't think my brain's working right. Because I'm like, oh, it tastes like apple. It tastes like chocolate. Chocolate apples. What's happening? Chocolate <laughs> and apple aren't the most mixy flavors. But yeah, it goes yeah. apple and then chocolate and then apple. Mm. The more I chew it, I get the apple. 
But it's, it's a weird sensation because initially when I put it in my tongue, I taste apple. And then I immediately taste chocolate. And then my brain goes, what is happening? I don't like the aftertaste as much, though. It's a, it's a weird no, combination. It's... The apple is very intense. Yeah. And it, and it leaves almost a medicinally, a medicinal aftertaste. Yeah, I feel like I just took a mouthful of medicine. Not, not my favorite. <laughs> Mm. I mean, it's, 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 I think it's the combination because my brain's trying to like decipher chocolate from apple and it's just so strongly apple. It almost leaves like a syrup aftertaste. Oh, I can't wow. tell if the apple is like made from natural apple flavor, super concentrated or just super concentrated fake apple flavor. It's, this That's is bizarre. the strangest Kit Kat we've eaten yet. Uh-huh. Not the sweet potato one from last week. That was delicious. No, that was delicious. God, it's so strong. I can't get the taste out of my mouth. Ugh. Very weird, yeah. All right, Daria, not my favorite. Nope. Ah. Oh, God. <laughs> Ugh. <laughs> I, no, I just feel like I just took a big swig of Robitussin. Ugh. Ugh. Uh, I don't have enough fizzy drink in the world to get that taste out of my mouth. <laughs> Where can people find you, Chris? I can brush my teeth. You can find me at two truefreaks.com. That's our website. <laughs> so bad. Sign up for our RSS feeds there at iTunes. Mm, I will you say can... our RSS feeds are fixed for iTunes. There was about a three to four month period where we didn't have any Jagas and Jedi's going up on iTunes, but they're all working now. And I and I put it on Twitter and I already had like three people being just like, Thank God. <laughs> well, well hopefully it'll keep working until we get the new website going which is coming right along you can also find us on facebook we got the two true freaks podcast um facebook page where we post all our new shows up and we've got the two true freaks cantina where we just go to shoot the shit and we are also on twitter and our twitter feed is run by the working at home and slowed down in his podcast consumption Gene Gene the podcasting machine Gene 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 Boop Not as many podcasts Gene <laughs> And uh yeah uh that's about it for me where can they find you Hope You can find me at Jagas and Jedi on Twitter I run our Twitter account you can also find me at Hope Molinax on Twitter. I will say that we're getting close to 400 followers on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, so that's really cool. Uh, thank you guys for following us. And you that's can also pretty be- amazing. I know. So I'm, I'm very excited about that. Um, you can also read all my writing over at geekygirlexperience.com where I do reviews. Uh, we have a Patreon-exclusive podcast that I do with Chris called Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons. We're currently going through Gravity Falls. Um, at the time of this episode, episode three is going out on Friday, so that's cool. Oh my god, Chris, have I... I meant to send you episodes when I finished them, have I? Of what? Gravity Falls? No, who makes Chris watch cartoons. Oh no, I have not heard... I haven't heard any of the episodes yet. Oh my god, I'm sorry, I meant to send them to you. I need to do that. I need to send oh, yeah, you... Yeah, yeah, I, I, I definitely want to hear that. Yeah, sorry about that, I meant to do that. Um... <laughs> <laughs> so you can hear our podcast that I haven't shared with Chris because I'm a podcast hoarder. And I also write on Archive of Our Own under the name Chaos Lydia, where I write a slew of fan fiction from Star Wars fan fiction. I'm actually currently working on a She-Ra piece where 
It's a normal modern AU. Everything's normal. Everything's fine. Or is it? So that's been fun to write. So if you're a Shiro fan, I have that going on. So yeah, that's where you can find me. What are we talking about next week? <laughs> Rebels season four. I think next week's the occupation, isn't it? Yeah, the occupation where we return to the fall next week. Ah, Zeb, finally. Zeb gets a really stupid hat. <laughs> I oh, vaguely remember that. Okay. I think. As soon as you said Zeb in a stupid hat, that definitely this this is a this is. Well, they capped off capped off last season with a <laughs> stupid hat. So maybe this is going to be a running gag for the rest of Rebels. I think, is this the episode where they introduce Warwick Davis? No, it's not. Okay, it's the, it's, it's the next episode. But soon, Warwick Davis will be coming. So. Yay. Um, but yeah, Zeb and a dumb hat next week. Bye. Bye. <laughs> oh, my voice hurts. <laughs>Visit our website at 2TrueFreaks.com. 2TrueFreaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email 2TrueFreaks directly at 2TrueFreaks at gmail.com. 2TrueFreaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening, and join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. Ho, 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 ho.